Well, it's good to see everybody. Welcome back. This is nice. It's good to be able to have Mass again. Well, we have in our Gospel text something I think is kind of relevant to all of the craziness that we've been going through. Jesus is uh, so intelligent, so wise, and he's able to dodge the political bullet that they were trying to shoot at him. And so what we've got going on here is a, a real subtle attempt on the part of Jesus' enemies to trap him in a, in a political snare. It was all about politics to them. And that's, that's really the key to why Jesus was crucified, is because they were afraid that he was a political messiah. Okay? And so that's what they accused him. Uh, the people who envied him were afraid of the removal of their own power. Someone was going to take power from them. They didn't like it. They didn't like that Jesus was very popular. And the people liked him more than them. <laughs> and then, so then they go to the Roman authorities. And they accuse Jesus to the Roman authorities in terms of political categories. So this guy, you know, makes himself, you know, a competitor to you, um, Pilate, and to, and to your master, uh, the Roman emperor. And so he's a bad guy. So you gotta, you gotta kill him. So they frame everything in terms of politics. They're trying to do the same thing here. What's interesting is you've got two different parties going on. You've got the Pharisees on the one hand and the Herodians on the other. Now, in terms of paying the temple tax, there would have been a difference of opinion between the Pharisees and the Herodians. Okay? The Pharisees would have represented, had a tendency at least, to represent the more popular, widespread opinion amongst the Jewish, Jewish populace. And that is this. Well, you know, God is really our king, not Caesar. God has given us sovereignty. God has made the nation of Israel the most important nation of all the nations. And so why are we here slaving away under the thumb of the Romans? Okay? And they don't have any right to take us over and they don't, and we don't have any obligation to pay their silly tax. Alright, so there, there's a lot of, that, that would have been more like the popular opinion. Probably a lot of Pharisaical thinkers would have agreed more or less with different nuances with that position. The Herodians, on the other hand, were the servants of Herod, who was the Jewish king who was essentially an extension of the Roman Empire. So they would have thought, oh yeah, you gotta pay the taxes. In fact, they're the ones responsible for enforcing the tax. Okay? So there's a big difference here. Now the Pharisees, basically they want to put Jesus in a catch-22 situation. And so they say to the Herodians, hey Herodians, why don't you come, come with us? All right, we're going to ask this rabbi what he thinks about the temple tax. <laughs> All right, so what they think is going to happen is Jesus is going to do one of two things, and either of those things is going to get him uh, snared. On the one hand, he might agree with the popular opinion and be like, "No, you know, don't pay anything to the Romans. You know, we God is our king, not Caesar." And if he did that, well, the Herodians would have been like. Oh, is that what you think? And they would have gone back to their boss, and then Jesus would have been in trouble. Okay. Uh, conversely, if Jesus said, "Oh, he, yeah, um, you have to like cower in the corner in a fetal position and do whatever the big man tells you, and you have to pay the tax," well, he would have lost popularity with the people, and he would have been seen to be not this sort of man who teaches the truth, you know, and is about the, the truth of their holy religion, but he would have been, you know, a kind of a a toady the powers that be, and so he would have lost popularity. Uh, and that's what the Pharisees were concerned about. There was a popularity contract contest between them and Jesus. So they think they're going to snare him. But Jesus is smarter 
than all of their political machinations. Okay. And he's brilliant. I mean, he's, he gives a response that's actually like a non-response. <laughs> you know, you, you can't catch him. But at the same time that he's doing that non-response response, he is actually articulating a very profound theology of politics and the relationship between the church and the state. And so there's this fullness of meaning in what he says when he says, give to Caesar that which belongs to Caesar and to God that which belongs to God. And it's that small, terse little saying that holds so much truth that great theologians for 2,000 years have been reflecting upon and unpacking the meaning of that. Because in that one little saying is the perfect balance between the relationship between church and state, which is not an easy, and as we know over the past you know a few months here, it's not an easy relationship to strike the right balance at. My brothers and sisters, I guess maybe the short and skinny of it for today is that Jesus is uh, a master uh, master when it comes to understanding human beings and politics. And he's in control. He's our guardian. Sometimes we feel like we're just embroiled right now with all of this stuff with politics and the COVID crisis and all this stuff. And then, of course, we've got these horrible... Uh, riots going on and all the racial tensions and all that kind of stuff. Jesus is in control. He understands all the politicking that human beings are prone to. And he's going to guide us through, as he has for the past 2,000 years, he's going to continue to guide the church through all of these possible snares and traps that seem to, to have been laid for us by the enemy. He's in control and he's smarter than anyone, anything, any political party, any politician. He's smarter, and he's in control. So we can trust him, we can rely on him. All right, He's going to guide us through all of these different problems that we've been going through.